spoiler warning. The following discussion will contain spoilers. We recommend checking out the movie first, then coming back to hang with us. But, if you don't care about that, glad to have you here. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Real Review. My name's Kevin. I'm John. And we are your real movie guys. It's March, so that can only mean one thing. Real March Madness. It's a tale as old as time, Pixar vs. Disney. And a brawl to end it all, we have selected 8 films from each studio. A total of 16 movies will battle head-to-head for superiority. On today's episode, we'll be taking a look at... Disney's The Little Mermaid. A mermaid princess makes a fashion bargain in an attempt to become human and win a prince's love. You remember from a really young age watching this movie, and I, I never felt the stigmatism of where, you know, sometimes when you watch like maybe like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, I never felt like it was really like a girl's film. Did you ever get that impression when you were younger? I did actually for this for this movie, like, oh, I don't think okay. I saw it till I was, like, 8, 9, or 10 or something like that. Every time, like, you hear about, like, mermaids or something like that, I feel yeah. like it's always, like, very girly in a way. So I never, like, actually, like, took the time out to go out of my way to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. But then, like, after I saw it for the first time, I instantly fell in love with this movie. And it's a shame because there is, yeah, I think there's a lot for boys and for girls. I think it's just a really excellent family movie. Everything from the animation to the music to the characters, everything is almost unforgettable in this movie. Once you watch it, once you get it in your head, it's almost impossible to get it out because they really shown that they can take that fairy tale and they can make it something special. More so than I think even, you know, Snow White of the Past, Sleeping Beauty, all those other kind of movies. The Little Mermaid exemplifies by taking that classic tale, making it memorable for a generation. And this, my friend, is where Disney shines its brightest. This generation of movies, I think The Little Mermaid was one of the caps to that. What I really loved, what I really like sink my teeth into in this movie is that hand-drawn animation. This movie is a masterpiece of hand-drawn animation. Even in 2021, when this came out in 1989, this movie has not missed a beat. Where do I start with the achievements in this movie? If you look at the characters, even when they move, they have little bubbles accentuating when they move and it feels underwater. I can't stress to you how hard it is to get that feeling. Even when we talked about Finding Nemo, that's still difficult. Don't get me wrong. CGI, it's difficult too. But imagine hand-drawn animation having to do that, having to show something's underwater. They have everything from like the hair flowing on the characters, just that they know how to get that to exemplify everything from the shadowing. It adds that tiniest bit of detail. Like when Ariel's in her grove full of things she's found from the above world, she has all her like little trinkets and little objects and stuff like that. The sheer amount of detail on all those objects is phenomenal. I dare you to find another movie that really does that as well as Disney can in these movies. They really know what they're doing. Not even just the background, but the way the characters move. Each character, if you put this movie on mute, You can understand what the characters are saying without hearing them, just based on the sheer amount of body language by each of these characters. You can tell when someone's angry, when someone's sad, someone's excited, who the bad guys are, who the good guys are. I think it really exceeds expectations as far as that. I think it's miraculous that it still holds up till today. I really do. Also, you can go into that with the character design, too. The Mm -hmm. way each character is created 
and design. You can tell the littlest details that they gone to mm-hmm. on each character and how they designed it. And it works perfectly to that person and character. And I think that also adds the, the continuing theme with Disney when they're not afraid to go a little dark. Because this movie goes into some dark places for sure. Especially with the villain Ursula. Her whole design is immediately unsettling as being this octopus large woman who just will like wrap her tentacles around you. She's slimy. She's icky. Just her voice really dark. Like when she's singing poor unfortunate soul, like the lighting and everything that they're using to capture her emotions and her facial features. It's disturbing. Even the end of this movie, when they kill Ursula with the ship, she gets impaled with a friggin' ship, and then she, like, explodes or whatever and sinks to the bottom of the ocean into pieces. That's unsettling. You know, there's a degree with that. I remember being a little kid when I was watching this, and it used to creep me out. I remember telling my mom to turn off the end of the movie because I didn't want to watch it because she was just so creepy. It still holds that bit of fear to them, and Disney does that well when they add just a little bit of darkness. I'm not talking going over the top like in Snow White when we're poisoning little girls with apples and we see them falling dead on the floor. We don't need all that. All right. We, we don't need that, but just the dark element, that mystery, that uncertainty is really captured excellently in the little mermaid. She's one of the villains that I feel like you always remember mm-hmm. most in these movies because she made such a big impact. Pat Carroll, the voice actress that brought her to life, she she does a phenomenal job. I mean, she's witty, she's funny, she has all those things that you love about a really good villain where they're almost likable, but they're so detestable at the same time that you gotta get away from them. They, they creep you out way too much. And that's just the whole vocal cast in general for this movie, if we really just want to get into it. Jodie Benson as Ariel is... She's probably the perfect Disney princess. I think she's up there with... There's some other ones that maybe, maybe, maybe not we'll talk about towards the end of this series. But I think Ariel is just that perfect prince. She has the perfect voice. That singing voice is absolutely beautiful, which is what you expect to come out of a mermaid, especially when you hear lore about how mermaids would lure sailors to their death, essentially, by singing to them. I, I get it. I get it. If I heard that voice, I think I might be, you know, pulling my ship towards that. It, it totally makes sense in a lot of ways. King Triton... Voiced by Kenneth Mars, does an amazing job. That powerful, overbearing father who's strong and he's pretty intimidating, especially when he tells you no. <laughs> he's he's got he's got some he's got some little prowess behind him. And even I think more so than anybody else, Samuel E. Wright as Sebastian is one of the most unexpected fun characters in this movie. Because I think originally he wasn't supposed to have like a Jamaican accent. He was supposed to be more like British and upstanding. Which, that character never would have worked as well if it wasn't for Samuel E. Wright's performance. Because Sebastian is so over the top where he's nervous, he's excited. I love it. I love everything about his performance. If you really think about it, there's not a lot of characters in this movie. There's there's just there's just enough, I feel like. like there's not overabundance with all these different characters. Even Scuttle, Seagull, I love that character. He's so annoying, especially during the Kiss the Girl song where he's like... Wah! he's doing that like that squalling thing i love it i absolutely love it you even have to give it they actually gave the prince character a little bit of dialogue in this movie disney for a while there really didn't care about their prince characters or giving them any kind of characterization or anything like that but prince eric good for you i think you had at least almost 10 lines of dialogue in this film so good for you you're setting the standard (laughs) for disney princes in these movies again it's a princess movie but come on guys show the guys some love (laughs) (laughs) just saying i'm just saying i want to talk about the music because the music is really i think what makes this movie tick would you agree with that john do you think that's like the main thing in this film Uh, oh yeah and not even just the vocal performances the actual like orchestra soundtrack 
has such majesty to it when this movie opens up and you see underwater city like glowing and you have this beautiful song bringing the undersea world to life and when you have the land sea you have the, the more classical kind of music and even the boat when they're playing the accordion on the boat like it's just such a heartwarming feeling in this movie it has a lot of warmth and happiness in this film and then of course you know we'd be remiss if we don't actually speak about the vocal performances because how memorable are they they're they're ingrained in culture i think almost all the songs are i, I can't imagine them not you can tell how big this movie was too mm-hmm. not just at the time but how many people still play the soundtrack and the mu- songs from this movie yeah nowadays even like, like under the so- sea under the yeah, sea it's so well known i dare you to go somewhere that's ocean themed and not here under the sea if they're playing music at a party or, or a restaurant theme or whatever whatever it is i dare them not to play that song is that that is like ingrained again it's they're ingrained in culture these songs now john what would you say is your favorite song out of the bunch part of your world is my favorite and i feel like it's got so much to it and it almost like explains ariel's character in a song mm-hmm. and just some of the things that she likes and enjoys and it kind of almost like leads you to like why she wants to go up and out of the ocean i agree i i think like i said that that longing that we're going to talk about there's some themes i want to get into a little bit but it captures those things so brilliantly just wanting more and wanting you know, to outreach to something that you don't have and, and to explore. I, I love that. And that, that's, again, that's one of the major things about Disney that really works. I think one of my favorite songs, I think I love kiss the girl. I absolutely love that song. I think that's uh, romantic as hell. And in a weird way where you just have all the, like Sebastian, like whispering to the animals, trying to get them to sing. And they're trying to get Eric and Ariel together so they can finally kiss and get the whole situation over with and get her to be a human forever and get her voice back. There's a little bit of anticipation. There's a little bit of excitement. Plus there's a little bit of romance thrown in. I can't lie, especially with the fireflies flying in the air around them and the boat circling back and forth again, excellent job in animation just so superb in every single way and i think we should just talk about the only other song again i brought it up is um under the sea is phenomenal on just not even just the lyrics of course which are the most fun lyrics you probably can hear in a movie to be honest with you just the vibrant colors the use of animal sea creatures as instruments and forming this band and why the ocean is so wonderful it's just such a celebration And again, I think this is one of the great things that Disney really does. They bring these classical tunes that you'll never forget and never get out of your head by bringing them to life with the superb animation. You have the fish playing instruments, Sebastian being the master conductor of the whole symphony. It really is vibrant and exciting, and it just captures an imagination, which I think, and some people might not agree, I think a lot of movies nowadays don't have as much. I think this movie sets a standard for that. Like, when people talk about Disney classic movies, mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the ones that comes to people's mind first and almost foremost because it's so memorable with just the way it's done and the way it's outlasted time. A good question would be to ask yourself, why is this movie such a classic? Is it just the animation? Is it just the songs? Those are all parts, obviously. They're all gears on a greater machine that the story's trying to tell. But I think this that classic story of wanting more being a romance story, just longing for love, freedom, understanding. These are all things human beings strive for in reality. So I think automatically when we see a character in pursuit of those things that every human on some level can relate to, 
I think that's what makes it stay in the zeitgeist of humanity. I think that's why this movie's so memorable. Even though it's animation, it's so important to our younger development that we understand and relate to these concepts. I think they're just really, really strong themes. And again, Disney just has something about them where they bring it out to you and they make it easily digestible for kids to understand and have fun with. Another thing this movie does, which is kind of the last positive I have, and maybe some people would see it as a negative. I don't necessarily think it is, though. This movie has a lot of humor in it, and not so much the over-the-top humor that we may be used to with like just jokes and stuff like that. A lot of it's more subtle, I would say, for the average Disney movie. It has a lot of situational humor, especially the whole... <laughs> part of my pun fish out of water storyline i think it does really well with that and i think it adds to the excitement overall to this movie just seeing you know some of the characters crack jokes especially scuttle you know he's really good for a comic relief and even ariel has some really good scenes where for a portion of this movie it's ironic they have such a beautiful voice actress such as jody benson and she doesn't talk for a significant portion of this movie where we're trying to understand her character. But again, that's all to the credence of the humor of this movie, too, that keeps us still engaged, even though that character is no longer speaking. A few things before we wrap up. Uh, it's not even that it's negatives. It's just points that I think I would make that I've, I've noticed over the years, and they, they've come in, you know, to my being that I've seen. I think Ariel can come across as a crybaby for as much as I like her character. She is kind of annoying at times, where she's always like, oh, no, daddy. Oh, I'm so annoyed. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I think out of all maybe the Disney princesses, I'd say she's kind of the most like, you know, whiny out of a lot of them because she has a good thing going on. So I think she needs to settle down a little bit. I just, she comes across kind of crybaby to me, especially when, you know, he, King Triton, they're giving the guy a hard time, right? He's trying to be a dad. Is he necessarily wrong? I don't think so. No. I, think, I think he's got some stuff to him where I think he's got some credence. Would you agree, she's, John? Yeah, she's got those spoiled rich kids vibe. She does. That, like, yeah. like everything's everything you could want is handed mm -hmm. to her, but she still wants something else. And, and you can make the argument too: is maybe it's a questionable theme of children always know best, and the father doesn't know <laughs> anything, the parents don't know anything. I mean, that's kind of what the movie's saying because Triton's just like, listen, Ariel, I want you to have this great life. I want you to love it here. All I'm asking is, don't go to the service. It's incredibly dangerous. They're probably gonna harpoon you and eat you for dinner. You don't need to be doing that. Meanwhile, she's like, I got to go up there. I got to see what's up there. Why you got to do that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Triton's not wrong. He's trying to protect his daughter. And he comes across almost villain-like at times, especially with the most iconic scene, in my opinion, I, I have to say, is the daddy, I love him. No. See, it's so, it's one of those awkward Disney scenes for me. Like every Disney movie, I feel like has an awkward scene or an awkward piece of dialogue that, it just stands out. Not that it's bad or not that it's unenjoyable. It just sticks to you for some reason. And for whatever reason, that scene's always stuck with me. Just the whole no scene. <laughs> but I don't think the guy's wrong. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him some points there. I think King, King Triton should not be treated as a bad parent. I think he was doing the best he could with a troubled daughter. I think we're at that point, though, where we're going to give our final scores. I'm going to give The Little Mermaid an A+. How could you not? This movie is a feast for the eyes, a feast for the ears, a feast for just about everything you got going on. I, I think this movie will always stand the test of time. There's always going to be a point where if you want to talk about an underwater movie or just superb animation, voice acting, anything, any of those categories, if you want to see why Disney excelled so greatly, this is the movie to exemplify. 
it'll hold up for generations. I can't wait for more generations to enjoy this movie. It's for everybody, you know, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I asked John if, you know, he watched this when he was a kid. He didn't say he didn't really enjoy it till he was older and he actually watched it. That's a mistake, John. Hate to tell you. I think everybody should watch this even from a young age. I think it's just, it's that great of a film. This is a Disney classic. John, where do you stand with this film? This one's easily by far an A plus for me. One of those movies that you could always watch and you'll always enjoy it. And you could enjoy it with no matter what, with who or whatever. It's one of those movies when you see it on TV or you see somebody playing or you hear some of the music, it always makes you think about that certain part in the movie that it's played. Mm -hmm. And it always brings you back to the like, almost like the first time that you saw it and you remember it so well. I think that this movie is definitely a Disney classic and definitely one of those ones that honestly really hard to beat. John, where can the people find us at home? You can find us over on YouTube where you can find all of our stuff at the real movie guys on YouTube, like our channel, subscribe, check out some of the other videos that we've done. Check out the ones that we've done for Disney or Pixar, or other of your, maybe your favorite movies. Um, you could also find, follow us on Twitter and, let us know your opinion over there. Tell us how you feel about this movie, other movies we've done. Just let us know. We like to interact with you. We try our best. You could also find us on Instagram where you can vote on our poll that we put up every Sunday. And you can vote to see which one is your favorite between the two we have. Um, you could also listen to us on many podcasting platforms such as yes for your listening pleasure we are also available in podcast form at iTunes, Spotify, Anchor Google Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public and Pocket Cast. be sure to give us a listen at any of those fine places if you are right now hey greatly appreciate it just search out Real Movie Guys we should pop right up thank you again all so much for joining us for this episode of The Real Review my name's Kevin that guy over there he is John we are your Real Movie Guys real guys real movies real thoughts the battle rages on as Real March Madness, Disney vs. Pixar continues. We'll catch you next time.